I'm new around here. I, can't, I don't know what's going on. I've got to get, get my instructions here. It is good to be with you today. I appreciate the invitation to share God's word with you today. There's a lot of memories here, uh, especially in the building of this building and the dedication we had in March of 1976. And I have a special memory because I was staining that big rafter up there with three levels of building up to it, you know. And a couple of my friends decided it would be fun to come and shake the that was standing, I was standing on. Well, they got a good laugh out of it. I just about dropped my, <laughs> dropped my uh, paintbrush that I was using up there. But th those kind of memories uh, we laugh at now, and, and uh, those are things you can share together too as you visit, uh, and especially appreciate. How many are here just came for the 60th anniversary from out of town now? Yeah, several of you, okay, appreciate your coming and, and celebrating as well. Well, you got, you got, you've already heard a little bit of the history. Let me just review some of that of the church. Uh, first service was held on January 5th, 1964 at the Oddfellows Hall. Uh, there were 71 who attended that uh, first service and 26 declared their membership. Eventually, there were 55 charter members. Then in March 1996, uh, the congregation with over 100 members purchased what was then called the Bel Air Supper Club. It's now Wits End 48 Restaurant. And that building uh, was converted into a very functional church, and they were, we were worshiping in that building when I came uh, the, the first time in 1973 to serve the church. Uh, they purchased property of the, where the Bob, Bob Ridings uh, dealership is now, uh, but uh, before, the, before they decided to build, it increased value so much that they sold it and uh, bought, and we bought this property here that just off the Mount Auburn Road. Um, People wondered why we built so far back. Well, that's what we could afford uh, back then. And uh, thanks to the generosity of, uh, of uh, the Trulocks, uh, they purchased the land up that goes out to the, goes out to the uh, Mount Auburn Road. So that's a little bit of history as well. And uh, serving those few years, 73 to 76, were some of those uh, really growing years and beginning to make a, make a place here in Taylorville. And then I um, uh, came back in 1990 then to, uh, to serve uh, another um, 13 years. Uh, yeah, wasn't it? 1990? Yeah, yeah. My math is not as good as it used to be either. So. But anyway, it's, it's good to share with you this morning um, and to really want to turn your minds and thoughts and faith to looking to the future, of course, uh, and how God has certainly blessed this church tremendously over the years, and, and uh, we can count on him doing so as well in 2024. Uh, and, but we're living in times that are strenuous and yet strengthening. Uh, there's been all kinds of social changes, uh, and those changes are likely to continue through these next several years. Institutions that have been the foundation stones of our culture and society uh, for over 200 years, including the church and marriage and family and Judeo-Christian values and biblical sexual principles, are coming to a screeching halt. There's a story about a father who was asked his, asked his son what he, when he planned to purchase his first automobile, first car, and his son replied, well, when God sends me 100-fold, 
And his dad looked at him puzzling and said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, recently I gave the church a gift of $50. And when God sends my hundredfold reward, I'll have 5,000 and I'll buy my new car. Well, when the father realized his son was serious, he responded, well, God is already uh, sending you your reward. It comes every two weeks and it's called salary. <laughs> so you'll have, to, you'll have to give the young man credit. At least he assessed what he really believed about how God would provide when he was willing to give. And he took some definite actions based on that assessment. And that's similar to what I think you need to do as you consider the state of Taylorville Christian Church in 2024. You will need to make an honest assessment of where you are and what God has already done in the past, which uh, you're beginning to do today, both individually and as a church, and then determine if you are ready to take some definitive action based on that assessment. So to determine the state of the church, you will first of all need to make that honest assessment. Now that's not always easy, whether you're doing on a personal basis or as a church. But if you don't make an honest assessment of where you've been and what you're doing, you will tend to be satisfied with the status quo. That's what happened to some of the churches in Asia toward the end of the first century. So the Lord sent messages to the churches of Asia, uh, and we have those messages in, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And uh, to each of the churches, he often get, said what they were doing well, but then he also uh, gave them some things they needed to improve upon. And to the church of Thyatira, he wrote this. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and your faith and your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So the Lord's assessment there was they were doing some good, they were with their deeds and their love and their faith and their service. But they were doing, needed to do more than they were doing at first. And he also take, makes a further assessment of the state of their church in verse 20. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads many, uh, my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. And he specified then what he had against false, that false prophetess and what would happen if they uh, needed, what they needed to happen for them to separate themselves from her. And then at the end of that assessment, he writes the same admonition that he does to all the seven churches in Asia. He writes, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In other words, he, he, here's my words of assessment where you are now and follow up with the appropriate actions. You know, ruts are more comfortable than risks. And if you fail to make an honest assessment of where you are in carrying out God's mission for this church, you will likely fall into some ruts. If the early church had chosen to remain in its ruts instead of taking some risk, it would not have grown the way that it did. And when the apostles in Jerusalem were under pressure to become administrators by devoting time to deciding how the daily distribution of, of food was to be given to the Greek widows, they instructed the church then to elect seven other men to carry, take care of that duty while they devoted themselves to, and I quote, prayer and the ministry of the word. After stoning of Stephen in Jerusalem, he took, uh, it took persecution from Saul and other Jewish uh, leaders 
to spread them, to scatter them over the area, first of Judea, Samaria, and then further. And the Acts 8 verse 4 says, those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. So the New Testament church was willing to take a risk in order that the mission of the church would advance beyond the walls of Jerusalem and the ruts of Jewish traditionalism. So then if the mission of the church is to be advanced today, you too as a church must be willing to make an honest assessment of what you're doing to advance God's kingdom beyond what has been done and determine what action then needs to be taken to reach your various communities for Christ, regardless of the risk that's involved. And that leads to a second step then, to determine the state of the church in 2024, to determine then if you are ready to take some definitive actions based on that honest assessment. Action needs to follow assessment. You can talk a good talk, but if it does not lead to some action, it's just that, a lot of talk. Having the courage to act upon what God has led you to envision is what will lead to fulfilling God's purpose for the church. And sure, we need, we're thankful for past blessings, but we cannot just assume those blessings will continue unless we continue and you continue to take risks for God. And you can be sure those risks will involve some changes. Experts in the field of behavioral change tell us that quite often when significant change takes place, things get worse before they get better. To expect, so to expect change just to go up like this because you've decided to do it, at least historically, doesn't happen. There's usually a little dip first because people don't like change and then, and they think it's unrealistic, but then they continue on, the leaders continue to be faithful to their calling as God is, they're convinced God has called them and then it begins to go back up again. Some people, unfortunately, when it starts dipping, give up and never see the improvement they could have been otherwise. So the key is to expect this dip and then try to minimize its depth and its width, and its width helping you to see the, the noticeable early growth that will keep you on track. So God is always doing a new thing with those who are open to doing a new thing. And being creative in, in sharing the gospel and in, and in making the family of the church influential, influential in its community. And the future of this body of believers then is dependent on what you are prepared to risk today. According to the increasing destructiveness of high winds in the Midwest, one developer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, offered an optional tornado safe room in the houses he built. Nine of the first 10 buyers opted to pay the extra $2,500 for the room that could be used for something else, a closet or a restroom, whatever, uh, for the $2,500. The 10th couple, however, were 75 years old and they opted for a hot tub instead. So while you, while you may not be faced with those kinds of decisions, it will be important to be unified in purpose and mission as you decide on what actions are needed in the future. And it will also be important that more people get involved in the action that's taken. I've heard it said that the church is full of willing people. Some are willing to work and others are willing to watch them. 
but to be effective in fulfilling the mission of this church, every member's involvement is critical. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, just as each of you has one body with many members, and those, these bodies do not all have the same functions, so in Christ, you, we who are make many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace he has given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it, and that's preaching. Let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's in service, it's serving. If it's in teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it, do it cheerfully. Now you may be sitting there comfortably this morning thinking, I'm saved, that's all God's concerned about. But if that were all God was concerned about, then at the point of your conversion and baptism, you would have been translated to heaven. End of story. That's all I needed. But we both all know that's, that's not the case. Instead, at the point of your conversion, you begin a grand journey through life and the way God leads you to a more intimate relationship with him. And that takes place in conjunction with the body of Christ together. Many reach a roadblock, however, in that journey when they refuse to use their gifts according to the grace given them. Soon they find the church unfulfilling and unrewarding and they wonder why. And they often end up blaming everyone else and everything in the church except themselves. On his first assignment as an auto body trainee, Stan began working on a car that needed a new fender and some door repairs. He spent hours doing, trying to do the best job. This was his first one, and he wanted to be perfect. So when the owner came to pick it up, he wasn't pleased. And Stan was baffled by that. He said, well, what's wrong? And the man began pointing to the side of the car, complaining about the, faint, the paint not matching. There were uneven gaps between panels and, and a host of other problems. And he demanded an explanation and refused to pay. And Stan said, well... I don't know what to say, except that the repairs I made were on the other side of the car. <laughs> Sometimes those who complain most about what the church is or is not doing need to look to the other side of the car. At their own personal involvement, at their own willingness to use their gifts as service for Christ. Everyone in the church is needed to be prepared to take what every action is called for for the church to reach its fullest potential after making that assessment. So yes, God has blessed Taylorville Christian Church these past 59 years, and there's every reason to expect that he will continue to that as we are remain faithful to his word in the 60th year. Take an honest assessment to see if there's some ruts that prevented you from, prevented you from uh, crashing through that barrier to the next level of growth. And as you determine then what action needs to be taken, to carry out God's mission for this church, to transform the communities where you live, transform them to become servants of Christ with you, regardless of the risk involved. One farmer was talking to a neighbor at harvest time and asked him how his corn was doing. And he said, well, I didn't plant corn this year. I, I thought it might be too dry. And uh, so he asked then, well, how, how are your beans doing? And his neighbor said, well, I didn't really plant any beans either. I don't think the prices are going to be high enough to make it worthwhile. Well, are you going to plant some winter wheat? And he said, no, don't think so. We're due for a spring, some spring floods and I'll lose the whole, whole uh, crop. And I think I'll just play it safe. 
Well, the state of the church is as it always has been and will be is what Jesus promised. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We can count on that. And while that might cause some difficulties at times, ultimately, he, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So there's every reason to expect a great harvest in 2024 if you, as a congregation, and as individual members of the congregation, are willing to step out for the sake of Christ and his church. And let's pray to God that we will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this lesson today that we find in the churches that you instructed and both encouraged and told them what they needed to do to take their next step and being the church in their time as we need to be the church in our time. Help us, God, to take that honest assessment, to see where we are and where we need to be, what risks might be involved, and uh, put those risks in your hands and, and be willing to step out in faith. And uh, we thank you for our leadership who, uh, who in this church that will uh, take a look at that and do that assessment and de decide what needs to be done. Help us, Lord, to be willing members to use our gifts and talents uh, in the pursuing the, the goals and the purposes that, uh, that they determine. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us these past 59 years, and we look forward to 2024 and what you will be doing in the future because we know you're faithful and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank Dick for speaking to us today and I want to thank him for helping us to look not only back and think about the history of the church, but also to look forward and to think about what God can and will do through us. So I hope that we all take that as a challenge to do what he's right is the hard work of taking risks both personally and as a church to do the work that God needs us to do in this community. Let's stand together and we'll continue to worship.